I'm Sarah. I'm Erin. And this is the Tribbles and Transporters podcast. This is deliberately abstract. <laughs> Had almost like a, um, a Halloween vibe to it, like the from the movie. If I'm remembering from the Halloween that, Star that Trek me- movie, uh, what? what? <laughs> no, <laughs> from from the the movies, like the Halloween movies. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, I can but see that. I may be remembering that music completely differently, but. Other than that, my my only guess is that it it very likely came from our our topic episode today, uh, unless you were being really um, out of the box. Um, I knew you were going to say that, but you're wrong. <laughs> it's not from yeah. Voyager. Okay, I have nothing. I, I have no idea. Um. <laughs> And usually, like, it's so funny to have heard all this in the podcast and go, yeah, I think it's in this. And this is the first time we're like, yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, well, welcome to how I feel almost every single time. <laughs> Just completely blank. Other than it's very obviously Star Trek. Um, okay, um, I'm going to give you guys a little hint. It's not from anything specific. It's actually a theme. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's like a a character's theme or a um, yeah alien race theme or mm-hmm. something like that. Okay. Well, it didn't sound Klingon. Um, no, and it wasn't like menacing like the the Borg stuff was, but yeah, it's like I I would want to say Borg because they would definitely have a musical theme, but like you say, not quite. Um, doesn't have quite the right feel to it. Well, you guys could just start listing stuff and you'll eventually get it. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Uh, <yeah>. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. I'm, I'm, I'm thoroughly next... stumped on this one. Other than it sounds like it's like you need to hurry. That's a some kind of, you have a time crunch yeah. to get something done in, but I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It is an alien theme. My next leaning was maybe something like the Romulans. Because it's definitely not um, a theme for somebody who's an ally. At least for the majority of Star Trek. Well, Aaron, I will um, applaud you because you got it. It is the Romulan theme. Hey! Nice. All right. Do you know, do you know, like whereabouts in star trek we would have heard that though Hmm. like there are a bunch of different series and movies and stuff oh yeah for sure and the the problem is we definitely encountered romulans in original series next generation and deep space nine 
there's a brief encounter in Voyager, but I don't think it would have come from there. And I know absolutely nothing about um, whether there would be in um, Enterprise. And then, of course, you have um, the movies as well. Was it in Nemesis? It sounded like it was something that could have been in that movie. No, but, no, it was but more... you're in the ballpark. All right. I feel like this is taking way that too then... long. <laughs> this is so hard. Yeah. I'm assuming that that then means it was from TNG. Yeah, that's right. So it was just really the Romulan theme that they played whenever the Romulans showed up on TNG, basically. So. <laughs> All right. I don't remember that, but I trust you. <laughs> well, I mean, it's hard to remember random music that plays in random episodes. So, um, <laughs> Yeah. No, I was being deliberately um, kind of obscure with that one. So, because uh, I knew Aaron's first guess would be it had to be from the Voyager, <laughs> but we already did. Um, <laughs> we already did a caretaker music. Yes, thing. we did. So, yes, I fact, remember that when that was on the podcast, and I remember listening to that, going, "This was in Star Trek. <laughs> when was this?" <laughs> yeah. Yep. And uh, I definitely listened for it when we watched Caretaker, and I did hear it in there. Oh, for sure. It was blatant in, in that episode, but I had not yeah. watched that episode since probably it aired originally. So. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that kind of leads us into our topic today. We're going to be talking about the Caretaker. Um, we haven't, I know Aaron's watched it since it aired, but I hadn't. And um, Megan hasn't either. And if you guys are wondering who this mysterious third person is that's talking, <laughs> um, you're not hearing voices. Uh, this is actually a person that um, we have added to uh, our podcast um, to discuss the caretaker with us. This is uh, Megan, and she and I kind of grew up together. We met in the seventh grade mm-hmm. through a, um, was it? puppets in church it was yeah it was yep yeah uh so like megan and i are both we're both homeschooled and so i think we were we went to church and did some stuff at church together and our i think our moms got it got the idea to like get us together for like social interaction yeah i I guess so (laughs) like it's so funny that i think we were both in in puppets together in seventh grade and we were like knew each other were in the group but like didn't have very much interaction with each other and so like eighth grade on like we were just friends all the way through high school and past yeah um well we were both like shy and introverted and so we didn't like really talk to each other incredibly much so yeah yeah so we didn't really even know each other and our moms were like okay let's just like have them hang out or whatever and so i I remember uh being at your house megan we were doing something on your computer and you mentioned something about star trek and i kind of looked at you and was like you like star trek and you were like, yeah, like it's a huge you know, oh, thing yeah. in yep. our house. And I was like, I like Star Trek too. That's so cool. And that was like the moment that our friendship really like took off yep. and bonded. Yep. It was like that, yeah. I think. Because until then, I think I feel like we were just sitting around your house trying to find something. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I can remember um, too, like my dad, like I think you we had eaten something, eaten a meal or something and you had gone to go do something like you weren't in the room and my dad turned and looked at me and he goes does she ever talk I was like, yes <laughs> she just doesn't quite know you yet so yeah she she does um yeah 
but yeah, for sure. Like we for sure became best friends through Star Trek and through life. Um, but that was for sure what yeah. was the major catalyst of, of that. Yeah. And uh, so we were like best friends from then on. And uh, then we ended up moving or you moved to um, a different yeah. city and then we just kind of lost touch a little bit. Yep. But we've kept we've kept on in touch kind of online and whatever. We're both back in town together. So, yeah, it's, it's so weird yeah. to look back and know that we've been friends longer than we were not friends. So it's bizarre to, <laughs> to think about that. Yeah, I have uh, many many memories of us uh, watching Star Trek together. Yes, uh, yep. both at your house and mine, yep. and um, on the phone. One of my favorite, as we were both what? and on the phone, as we were both in our individual houses, we were on the phone, usually talking with each other during commercial breaks on some of the episodes, especially ones that you'd missed. I'd catch you up on something that had happened. So, what? I don't remember that. At <laughs> we all. did. We did. <laughs> okay. I'll take your word for it. Yeah, and no, my my fondest memory, I think, uh, with us in Star Trek was when we went to the first Contact premiere. Yes. Together. Oh my gosh, that was so much fun. And we had the worst seats in the room, but had the best time. We we had like the the two like back seats in the back mm-hmm. corner of the theater at the door. <laughs> so at the door. Yeah. Anytime anybody went in or out of the theater, it was a distraction. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. It was so it much was fun. Packed. Yeah. I think we were there at like the midnight yeah. showing of it. And so we had everyone, people mm-hmm. there in costume or um, just there in the theater was like yeah, completely full. Yeah, people were full. in costume. Yeah. They did like a, a raffle where they're giving away door prizes. And it was the first time I'd ever been to anything where people were dressed up in Star Trek uniforms. Mm-hmm. So it it felt sort of like a, I don't know, not like a convention, but it was it was my first and only experience with that. Yeah, it so. was a it was a fun atmosphere to watch that movie with just nothing but a room full of Star Trek fans. So, yeah, and people were like applauding it, you know, and yelling and yeah. screaming, and you know, at, at parts of the movie. So yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. And then you spent the night in my mm-hmm. house, and we just like talked about it for like two or three <laughs> yeah, hours. we did probably great. much later than we should have stayed up, but yeah, we did. Yeah. All right, well, I guess we'll stop um, going down memory lane because Aaron's probably extremely bored right now um (laughs) but uh i guess uh megan why don't you like just kind of (laughs) tell kind of tell everybody kind of what your background is with star trek uh well i have been a star trek fan basically since birth it seems like um my dad was a huge sci-fi fan um and we grew up watching what he watched on television basically um and so like i grew up watching um the original episode when it was in syndication or the original series when it was in syndication and then um i can remember when star trek the next generation went on air um i was six uh when that started um airing on tv and it was it aired past my bedtime um so i would uh sneak out of my bedroom (laughs) and go sit at the end of the sofa on the floor um, to where I could see the TV, but neither one of my parents could see me. And I would watch Star Trek um, on television until one of them would get up and see that I was sitting there and send me back to my bed. Um, but as a little six-year-old, I can remember how some of those episodes were so frightening <laughs> to me. Um, there was one episode, I think it's in the first season, it may be in the second season, 
um, where um, there's a conspiracy theory of this alien species taking over Starfleet. And uh, oh yeah, I know and Captain Picard mm-hmm. uh, goes down to this planet to be in this conference, and um, these group of you come to find out these group of people have all been taken over by this alien species. And so at the end of the episode, um, they realize that the person that's um, leading this conference is the main alien, and they shoot phasers at him, and he blows up. <laughs> I think I had nightmares mm-hmm. for years <laughs> from from watching that episode <laughs> as a little six year old. Um, it, I mean, to this day, I'm not gonna lie; it, it will like I have like latent fear of it now. It's very poorly done in today's standards, um, but yeah, like it still has that like ick factor um, from watching it as a kid. But I yeah, I grew up watching Star Trek. We watched. Um, all of the series really until into enterprise and then um life got busy i sort of got burnt out on on watching it um and then just f- sort of fell off watching it but yeah life i mean i was in high school college working and doing other things and so just sort of didn't have time to watch it very much anymore but it's it's something that i've loved um basically all my life i love the movies um i have loved um jj abrams and his take on uh the star trek universe um except for the last movie i didn't care for that one very much but um it's just it's been a great series a great fantasy to to watch a potential of humanity um in the future so yeah, sounds like we all have similar stories about how we loved it as a kid, as kids, and then as we got into adulthood, it kind of like fell off our radar a little bit, and then we're kind of like getting back into it now with you know the whole new Picard series and this podcast and stuff. So, what is your favorite uh, series? My favorite series is probably Deep Space Nine, uh, with Next Generation being a close second. Um, I think what i really loved about deep space nine is that it was a serialized show each episode built on the on the one before it um i think that's really what i loved about it and i remember being so excited when lieutenant Worf was brought on there um to have that tie in um from next generation which was you know in the same time period of the show um but to have him come in there um I just, I just loved it. I thought it was a great, great show. I loved Next Generation for the character development and the fun that they seem to have. Um, I would say probably my least favorite is probably Voyager. But after watching Caretaker, I want to go back and watch Voyager now as an adult versus being a teenager. Because actually, I really liked the first episode. So it was very fun to go back and watch hmm. this first episode. And realize how very well done this episode was. Yeah. Well, it looks like we've got all the bases covered. Um, you know, my favorite's TNG, Aaron's is Voyager, and uh, Megan's is DS9. So it's a good mix. We're uh, pretty well spread out. Yeah. All right. Well, with uh, all the introductions done, let's jump into our What Did You Think segment about the Caretaker. Well, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? All right. Well, what did you guys think about The Caretaker? Megan, you already kind of said that you liked it. 
I really did. I I thought, you know, compared to when I saw it as a teenager versus now, I loved it. Um, I thought it was a very good, um, very well done first episode to introduce a new series. And looking back, there's there, there was one character that, um, oh gosh, I should have written the name down of, that he was in the original crew of the Starship Voyager and Captain Janeway gave him command when they were going over to the caretaker. And I don't ever remember seeing that character ever again um, in the oh, series. Rollins? Like, I, maybe. That may be in his name. Yes, I think it was. Um, mm. That um, I'm pretty sure he does show up. Does he? Okay, well, that's times. good. Yeah. Because I just, I, never, I remember thinking, like, I don't think I ever saw him again. Was that a character that got, after the pilot, <laughs> got taken away? Um, but I, no, I thought it was an incredibly well done episode. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll say, uh, yeah, I, I felt very differently watching it this time around versus the first time around when I was like 14 or however old I was. (laughs) Um, I didn't really understand what was going on when I was watching it at that age. And for the most part, I understood this time. There are a couple of things I'm not still clear on, but I'm sure Aaron will, um, sort me out (laughs) on it. Um, yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was pretty well done. The, um, the only thing there are a couple of things that um were kind of like okay this again um was the whole like star trek trope of having this hugely advanced being that's like watching over the civilization on this planet <laughs> you know i feel yeah. like there's a lot of that <laughs> in star trek so it was like one of those plots again um and then the other thing the only other complaint i have about it was that i didn't the the, the pacing of it was just like so you know, one thing after another, after another, and they didn't really give you a time to have like a real breather. I felt like, um, Hmm. I would have liked, I mean, they had a couple of scenes here and there that kind of slowed things down a little bit, but for the most part, it was just like constant action. And so I would have liked to have maybe some more like scenes with like character development that just let us like slow down a little bit and just kind of relax and then get back to the action. But, um, for the most part, I thought it was really well done. I I felt really good watching this uh, again. It's been uh, probably over a year at least since I last saw Caretaker. Um, and there were things in there that I remembered, things that I didn't. Um, but it was really nice to, you know, be back with my crew. Well, guys, before we get into the discussion of the episode, it's that time. We're going to see how well each of us was paying attention while watching this episode. All right, quiz time. That music. It's so funny. Oh Yay! This is the first time Megan's heard this. It's the first time. That, that was funny. Yeah. All right, guys, this is going to be interesting with three of us. I think what we decided to do was each of us has five questions we're going to ask. And then so whoever is uh, not asking the questions, those two are going to team up to answer them. So um, who wants to start asking the questions? It doesn't matter to me. So doesn't matter to me. Okay, Uh, Aaron, why don't you take the honors since this is your uh, series? So, <laughs> okay. So, uh, my first question: um, 
Janeway mentions to uh, Tom Paris that she served on a ship with uh, Tom's father, who was an admiral. What is the name of that ship? You know, I wrote down the name of the expedition they went on, but not the ship. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh, I don't remember. Yeah, I didn't write it down either. Well, I will also take the name of the expedition if you. Okay. <laughs> it was the, uh, <laughs> was it the Arias expedition? Yes. Okay. So, I mean, it was in the same sentence, so I will allow Of that. course. <laughs> what was the name of the ship? <laughs> it was the Albatani. Okay. Yeah. No, okay, me either. I would never have guessed that in a million years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's not like one that you could just be like, oh, it was that famous ship that, that everybody knows. Yeah, no. Uh, you would have had to catch it in the sentence. <laughs> that, for that first question, I'm going to have to start taking more meticulous notes. My goodness. <laughs> yeah, we, we said that uh, it's a little bit different when you're taking notes on the episode, when you're trying to make up your questions and things like that. So um, it's a different style of episode watching. Um but I find it it helps me catch a few things. All right, well, let's go with more of a, a fun question. Um, uh, Tom uh, goes to uh, get some um, lunch and he orders some tomato soup. The computer offers him how many varieties? Oh, this was one of mine. It was 14. Well, I was going to guess five, but I knew it was higher than that. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there were 14 varieties of tomato soup. Uh, let's see here. Okay. Um, after the crew was returned, uh, to their ships from, uh, the array, they discovered they'd been away longer than they thought. How long were they all on the caretaker's array? Was it three days? No, it was like It was three days. Oh, is it three days? That is correct. Now, it would have been longer for the Maquis because they- Yes, it would have been. They were there, um, you know, about a week before Voyager even arrived at the array. But the Voyager crew was on the array for three days. Okay. I was way (laughs) off. I was going to say like two or three weeks. All right, Megan and I each have one point. (laughs) We're we're doing great. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Okay. Um, Now... um, during a conversation with the caretaker, um, he uses a term to refer to the Voyager crew. Um, what is the phrase that he calls them? They were, and I remember them being insulted by it. Um, mm-hmm. I don't remember this at all. Something bipedal species, but I don't remember. Oh, yep. yeah. You you are right on it. Um it was a minor bipedal species. Oh, so close. Okay. <laughs> Megan, you'll get half a point for that. Oh, sweet. So good. 1.5, right. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that makes this my last question, I believe. While Bolana and Harry were climbing the stairs, Bolana mentions a uh, Starfleet Academy instructor. What is the nickname she gives for him? Dang it, you took another one of mine. Ah. <laughs> Do you know that, Megan? Oh, gosh. It started with an S. Sneezy. Just go through all the seven dwarfs. Yeah, yeah Sneezy, no, yeah. wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, Sneezy. Yep. You guys did pretty well on my questions. 
All right, Megan, you're in the lead with two and a half points. Sweet. <laughs> All right, Megan, do you want to ask your questions next or should I? Uh, uh, it's either one. I don't care. All right. Uh, I guess I'll ask mine. So Aaron and Megan are going to team up here. Let's see if um, Aaron can catch Megan. Mm. All right. So in the first scene, uh, Bolana mentions something about the ship that they are flying. She mentions it is how many years old? That is something I did not write down. I had it neither. Yeah, I'm guessing at 32, <laughs> I, but I don't know. I was going to say something like 50. Uh, Megan's closer. It's 39. Oh, wow. Does that give me a half point? No. That no. was in the 30s. <laughs> oh, <dang> <laughs> <it>. <laughs> All right. In that same scene, they are being chased by a Cardassian. What was the name of the Cardassian? Uh, this was one of my questions <laughs> as well, so I will not answer. Well, I also wrote this down. Um, it was Gull Ivek. All right. But Megan, you got it, though. You know it, right? Yeah, I do. Okay. Well, that counts. Um, you got an answer. All right. So, Megan, you have three and a half points. Sweet. I have two, and Megan ha or Aaron has one. All right. Um, in Quark's bar, he tries to sell Harry Kim something. What did he try to sell him? I can't come up with the the actual the full name of them. It was some sort of crystals, lodite crystals, or I mean, it's some kind of crystals. Yeah, I don't know. No, um, you are right. It is crystals, but it's uh, lobi crystals or low by crystals however they called it ah yes so i'll give you guys half a point since you got the crystals part <laughs> sweet Yay. i got a three whole points now <laughs> well i only have two I, I don't know what you're complaining about so no you have four oh, do i have four okay yeah yeah all right uh what is the maximum warp speed that voyager can travel I did write this one down. I did not. So I'll I'll give Megan a minute. <laughs> Nine point seven five. I'll that's my guess. What is it, Aaron? I, I believe it was nine point nine five seven. Um neither one of that neither one is right. I I didn't write down that number. Maybe I wrote it down wrong. <laughs> I'm not sure what to do about this. Um <laughs> Because I could have written it down incorrectly. Should I Google it really I thought fast? It was, um, sure. Yeah, let's, I, let's Google. Let's see if Google has the correct answer. I'm on my um, way. Yeah, 9.975 is what I've found. Oh. Yeah, 9.975 okay. is the correct answer. So I, I reversed so, the 5 and the 7. Yeah. You had me doubting my um, ability to read numbers correctly for a second. <laughs> so yeah. I didn't know which one of us was wrong. So Yeah. All right. Uh, nobody gets a point on that one. So, okay, last question. I have to choose here because the easier questions have already been taken. Mm. Um, I don't know how mean I want to be right now. Oh, <laughs> be mean because um, my questions are going to be very easy compared to y'all's. So go, go ahead, be mean. Um. Okay. What is the uh, what is the crew compliment of Voyager? This one I also wrote down. Yeah, see, I knew you would do that. <laughs> and I did not, so I have no idea. <laughs> Megan, this is a learning experience for you. It is incredibly <laughs> much yeah, a exactly. learning experience. <laughs> that I need to get the um, nitpick details of this. All right, so Erin gets her point. All right, so here's here's where we stand. Erin has two and a half points. Megan, you have four, and I have mm -hmm. two. 
So, Megan, you're you're here up. comes my incredibly easy questions <laughs> for you guys. Why just not get any of them? <laughs> oh, yeah, I have a feeling Aaron's gonna that get would every be funny. One of these. Um, so I I have one um, that's actually about Gully Vec. Do you know what other series that character appeared in? I think it's TNG. Yeah, I'm trying to remember the the name when he said his name. I was like. That sounds familiar. And I was pretty sure he showed up somewhere else. Uh, I would say Deep Space Nine. I think it's TNG Chain of Command. Are you Googling this? <laughs> no, I'm not. I just remember um, I just remember Captain uh, Jellicoe saying his name in the episode. Well, I did not write down the episodes that, that he was in, but you both get half a point because he was in both TNG and yeah. Deep Space Nine. That character appeared in three of the Star Trek series. Um, okay, because I remember when his when his name was said watching the episode, I was like, "Wait, I know that name." So I searched that he was in both of those. Um, Very cool. Was it the same actor? Yes. Yep. Uh, the um, original con officer of the Star Trek Voyager. Um, what species is she? Was this the Betazoid? She was Betazoid. Um, I can remember yes. when this first first aired being um, surprised that you had a Betazoid that was in a non-counseling role. That I was like, well, of course, not all Betazoids are going to be counselors. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I was like really excited when I saw her. I was like, oh, cool. We'll get to see another. Um, or I was glad we got to see another Betazoid. But I also have seen enough of Voyager to- voyager to know that she didn't last past the first episode yeah. so i was like okay, yeah she's gonna die <laughs> yeah so. yeah yep um so that was two questions uh what instrument does harry kim play clarinet yes yes let's see what is um the new technology that was introduced onto the starship voyager i think i know which one you mean um, I think it's the bioneural circuitry. Yeah, the gel packs. Yes, that is correct. See, I told you you guys were going to get these. <laughs> were the gel packs the same thing? <laughs> Don't remember yes, that. Yes, they were bioneural yes. gel packs. Um, the uh, doctor playing, or the the actor playing the original doctor on the Starship Voyager, um, he should have looked familiar. What other... Mm-hmm. Um, show was he on star trek show was he on i remember looking at him and thinking i've seen that guy before somewhere yeah i have no idea (laughs) it has to be tng because i don't think i would recognize him from ds9 yeah sarah's correct he was on tng he played roga dinar on the episode the hunted yeah i would never have gotten on (laughs) roga dinar Mm -hmm. what what episode was that the hunted the hunted Uh uh-huh oh he was the Okay. He was the the super soldier that escaped from the planet. Yeah. And then I will give one last question because I do have one more. Um, Okay. What is Star Trek, or Star Trek, what is the Starship Voyager's registry number? It was seen several times. I knew you were going to ask that. And I always forget it. So I wrote it down. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Just go ahead, Aaron. (laughs) No idea. It is 74656. That is correct. Unless I screwed up the numbers again. 
No, it is NCC74656. Although when I originally wrote it down, I transposed numbers in it and saw it again later in the episode. I was like, wait a minute, what did I write down? <laughs> okay. Aaron gets a point on that. All right, so let's let's total them up here. Aaron, you have seven points. Megan, you have your four. Right. And I have six and a half. So um, Aaron is our perpetual winner again. (laughs) Well, I'm surprised at that because on my tally, I must have missed something because I had you and I both at six and a half. So, (laughs) Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how that happened, but no, I think you you answered a question that I didn't know. So, well, there you go. Aaron wins, um, as is probably <laughs> appropriate since this is her series. So. Yes, I would have been disappointed if you had not <laughs> won. So, <laughs> all right. Well, I guess we'll get into the discussion of the episode itself. Um, I've got a few things written down here, but I, we'll start at the beginning. Um, I had totally forgotten how like Star Warsy the beginning of this episode is <laughs> with the, like the scrolling text going up, giving us yeah. like, the background of what's yeah. going on, and then it's like immediately goes into a battle, you know. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was funny. I think I had mentioned that before. Was there another Voyager episode that that did that? It was Deep Space Nine, the emissary episode that did that. Thankfully, it was a lot less text to read, though. I feel like Star Wars has, like, paragraphs you have to get through. <laughs> and this, at least, was a pretty quick um, read. I, I have to say, though, I'm, I'm really glad that we did that research even when we're talking about the, um, you know, the Milky Way galaxy and how the Maquis came mm. about. Because I would have been totally, totally lost um, in the beginning of this. At least I had some context for what was going on. Yeah, it was a, a neat way to dive into... Um something that they pretty much expect you to kind of understand it, mm-hmm. you know, right off the bat. Um, and in the sense that, you know, Voyager came out while Deep Space Nine was still on and everything, Star Trek fans generally would have understood who the Maquis were. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, if somebody was just starting right now and hadn't just finished watching Deep Space Nine, um, they would be relatively lost. Um, so you do need those little opening blurbs. Yeah, very true. Because if you had not watched Deep Space Nine at all and had only watched Next Generation, I mean, that had been off the air for or been done as a series for a year. Um, and the the Maquis story had not been featured on there in a while um mm. in that show so like you you really did need that intro if you had not been watching deep space nine to know what exactly was going on yeah i i kind of liked the uh tie-in that it had to ds9 you know uh, deep space nine did that with tng as well bringing wolf 359 in and picard in in the first episode starting out and then voyager kind of took that and decided to tie it into ds9 uh, with the Cardassians and the Maquis and everything. And then, of course, we see DS9 um, in the beginning mm. parts of the episode. Uh, so I thought that w- that was a nice... You know, I, I guess they always felt like they had to transition the fans slowly <laughs> into the whatever new series <laughs> it was. Um, you know, so that they didn't feel like that they were totally abandoning what had come before. You know, they wanted to make sure that it was somewhat familiar going into it. So, yeah. Well, then it's a nice way to um, 
not necessarily play off the popularity of the the previous series, but to link them definitively. Um, I've seen a couple of other series do that. Well, especially yeah. since they took place in the same time. Um, it's not like these yeah. are separated by, you know, 30 years or 50 years or 100 years. I mean, they were all happening in the same time period. Well, that's what was so great about 90s Trek was that it was all like interwoven together. Mm. You know, so it was kind of cool in that way. It really expanded like the Star Trek universe, you know, so it, until DS9 came along, all we really had with Star Trek was, you know, the Enterprise D and, you know, it was a lot smaller universe. And then Star Trek expanded it out with DS9 and Voyager and it just became a much larger universe a much larger franchise but it was still all connected together and i kind of like how they did it i remember like having some resistance to it at first after tng ended or when ds9 came along and i was like i don't know about this new stuff but looking back <laughs> on it you know it's just kind of i'm glad they did it so yeah yeah i think though if that if that was being done today if that this two series were being done today i think they would have maybe on deep space nine had mentioned Voyager a little bit more since Voyager did disappear in sort of their area of space that I think they would have been one of the spearheads of initially searching for this for the ship and things that I think that would have been mentioned inside the Deep Space Nine world maybe once or twice before yeah you know Starfleet gave up the search and let the show move on but um, that was the one thing that I didn't like that the only time they're ever mentioned <laughs> is in that in the one episode of Voyager <laughs> and then you never it's never seen or heard again in the Deep Space Nine, Deep Space Nine universe. So, yeah, I never really thought about that. How you you don't even get a a throwaway line of, yeah, like the time when we were looking for Voyager or right. something like that. Because you know Starfleet was looking for them. I mean, they're just not going to let oh, a yeah. starship disappear, especially a brand new one. <laughs> Speaking of ships, I didn't realize how small Voyager was. It looks way bigger yeah. just like looking at it, but it is a, a small ship. Yeah. I, I want to say anytime you see, um, you know, the, the all of the main ships together, um, it's a little bit closer to the very original Enterprise. So like the, the Constitution class. Um, I thought it was closer to like the Enterprise E size, but it's way smaller mm. than that. Even It's only 15 decks. Only yep. 141 people. That's like that's got to be like one of the smaller smallest ships in the fleet, I would imagine. Yeah, and so the the point of of sending Voyager as well was the fact that it was kind of Starfleet's new. It, it's big enough to be a starship, but it's small enough that it's still maneuverable. I mean, the thing can right. land on a planet, so it's it's not big compared to other um other ships i forgot about the landing on the planet thing i think i knew that yeah they actually yeah. show that don't they mm -hmm. they yeah. do a few times yeah i i really loved the scene with um janeway talking about the dog you know because <laughs> we're all animal people here so um yeah yeah so that was that was cool just kind of seeing in the 24th century that people are still talking about kennels and dog beds and you know how that's not changed in several hundred years so yes i it just yeah i did a great job of like humanizing her yeah 
Yeah, that's one of the things I really enjoy about Janeway as a whole is, and I think because of the situation they're in, she gets to be a little bit more human than some of the other captains have. Um, but to have it show up in the first episode like that was great. She was a lot more humanized in this episode than the previous ones I've seen that we've discussed, uh, where mm. she was just like this ro kind of almost robotic with everything. Um she is to a degree in this as well, but I think for the most part, she came across as a very warm captain that really, mm. you know, was almost like a motherly figure to her crew in a lot of ways. Yeah. And um, I kind of made that observation, like she's a huge stark contrast between Picard, you know, or with Picard. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, where he was just like so stand standoffish with his crew and... um you know, here she's like embracing everybody and wanting to get to know people and talking to their parents and all of this stuff. So it's, um, <laughs> it's a very, very different personality and command command style. And I, I like it, you know, I like Picard too, but you know, I, I think this uh, episode kind of endeared me a little bit more to Janeway than the previous episodes mm. I've seen. Yeah. Uh, it's largely because we've, um, picked out episodes that she's already established as a character or um they're ones where there's not really enough time in the in the action since i tend to pick the action episodes um yeah. she's <laughs> so pretty much just, just always didn't... going on a killing spree in, in the episodes <laughs> that we've seen. oh dear you're making me sound like an she, awful person. she doesn't do that in all the episodes i'm just gonna say yeah. Uh, no, either that, either that, or she's acting like some, you know, like nineteen thirties Hollywood actress. Uh, those, those are my um, experiences with Janeway, pretty much so far. So. I recommend expanding that and watching yeah. a few well, more episodes. Yeah, at least you got a little bit better. Uh, you got a better um, point of view in this episode. Yeah, a more normal, more normalized point of view. I feel like. <laughs> No, I I love the whole exchange um, in the beginning where um, Harry and Tom go to introduce themselves to Janeway, and you know Harry does the the typical you know young ensign thing is yes sir, and and you get the uh, ma'am will do in a in a crunch, but you know I prefer captain, and uh, that does carry through most of the series um people do refer to her primarily as captain um but the ma'am does creep in there um more often than uh than this exchange would uh would say that it probably would but uh well tom I called her ma'am at the end of the episode he did yes and i actually wrote down um in my notes i said hmm didn't take long to reach crunch time yeah. <laughs> right yeah, the, no, there were, um, I liked her humor in this episode. Of course, I'm going to hone in on that. But yeah, um, I there were two like laugh out loud moments that I had with her. <laughs> and one was in the transporter room when Neelix had been back with Kess. And he like turns around to her and like, says this like, ro almost romantic type statement. And Jamie just kind of like turns and looks at him like, he's crazy you know or whatever uh -huh. <laughs> i just love the look on her face on that and then um the second one was when um she walked into sickbay and the emh was there like you know complaining 
and she was like computer shut off the emh or whatever and oh yeah (laughs) yeah so i just thought that um yeah those two moments with her were were pretty funny yeah and that is another thing that does carry through um I find there are moments throughout Voyager with different characters have sort of funny lines or or things like that. And obviously they do in the other series as well. Um, But I do find there's, there's a lot of those kind of sideways glances and expressions that, that you find with Janeway that it's just kind of like, you you get humor just because she looked at somebody funny or, or something like that. So I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I for sure. I remember when I was watching the episode when they, you mentioned them beaming back with Neelix and Kess, and the look on her face was like, "What did they just get us into? <laughs> like, yeah. What did yeah. I very unintentionally step right into the middle of?" <laughs> yeah, and it's it's one of those things too where it could have been made so much simpler if Neelix had just told them that he wanted to rescue Cass. They could have just beamed her up. Oh, totally. <laughs> like But then we oh, would yeah, have you get, s- get, gotten to see Neelix being all like gangster on on <laughs> the, the Okampa. I mean, my gosh, yeah. that came out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean it's it's a great um scene because you know you get both sides of, of Neelix. You get that quirky kind of silly character um where he's you know oh yeah guys it was just a misunderstanding you know um but then all along he's had this plan of you know it, as, as soon as i can can grab Cass and run we're going to go so uh oh, very much like yeah. the snake oil salesman you know <laughs> con man of the um you know 30s and 40s movies that's very much of what came to mind um seeing this episode again with him is that he's gonna say and do anything to swindle his way not uh, he almost reminded me of like a fringy um and Mm -hmm. what you see a little bit um on deep space nine with uh quark but um a little bit into um not quite the deviousness of the fringy that you see in next generation but definitely that swindler um personality type yeah you wouldn't get a ferengi going from stay away from my debris oh you're not interested cool what can i do for you yeah you know but because the uh, you know that's just neelix's personality and then we do meet some other talaxians further into the series and you know they are just genuinely a friendly um helpful people so um it it does carry through that way, but uh, it really sets up Neelix for the the kind of character that he's going to be throughout the sh- the series. I had no idea about any of this with his character. I, I had no idea that he had that like um, side of him that would like fake you out, and then he would yeah. just like beat you up. You know, I I always <laughs> had this this impression that he was more of like just like the happy go lucky character. You know, and yeah. so this this he totally faked me out on this. Um, I thought he was <laughs> genuinely like cowering against violence and stuff, and then he does a total yeah. one eighty on that. So, 
basically the he's a talaxian right mm-hmm. that's the yes. name yep. they're like the golden retrievers of the of the Delta <laughs> yeah yeah the excitable little puppies yeah. that are just friendly but if you cross them they do have teeth very yeah, true exactly. yeah um i thought neelix was um pretty hilarious you know with tuvok <laughs> like their interactions yes yes <laughs> And Do they are they like a, a pair in the in yeah. this series? Okay, yeah, it's very yeah, much it's your, very much your Doctor McCoy Odo or yeah or the Doctor McCoy and Spock of the original yeah. series. It's it's that type of dynamic where they love to hate each other, except one really wants mm-hmm. to be loved all the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yep. I do have to say, like of this um of of, of the show, um the one thing that bothered me back then and it it did again watching the episode again of why um the tom paris character was not nick lacarno from oh my gosh i was gonna bring this and it was was it was totally (laughs) like the character was completely written to be that type of character to be that type my everything but the name and then they cast the same actor <laughs> as before it was so confusing like i remember i remember this when it first came out um how there was like this this debate um about is this actually nick lacarno or i think it was like he would show up in like trailers for for voyager yeah. and i remember people like discussing wait isn't that nick lacarno from that episode in tng and then it was like no he's another guy but but he kind of like is an outcast like nick lacarno was so it was just yeah, and everybody was like, "Well, why didn't they just use Nick Lacarno? Like, why are they introducing yeah, this I mean, whole the, other new character?" The only difference between <laughs> yeah. the two characters that I could see, other than name, is that what Tom Paris did in the accident that he was in, that as a pilot that this person died in, was that he was already a Starfleet officer versus Nick Lacarno, who was in Starfleet Academy um, when they were doing that. Um, illegal maneuver and they had a friend of theirs and one of their pilots one of his pilots killed Uh, that was the only difference that i could see that Mm. we don't quite know what happens to nick lacarno after he's uh pleads guilty but we know tom paris ultimately for other reasons not just that this person died ends up in the new zealand penal colony but Still, like it, it might as well have been Nick Lacarno. That drove me insane. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I just, yeah, everybody was just so confused by that. I guess I was far enough removed from it that uh, I didn't make that connection. Uh, I think if they yeah. had not cast Robert Duncan McNeil in both care in both mm. characters, it wouldn't nearly have been the controversy, not controversy, but caused the stir that it did. But when you cast the exact same yeah, actor yeah. <laughs> in almost identical <laughs> yeah. roles, oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, I guess they knew he could carry off the character. And he did incredibly well. Like, <laughs> I have to admit, like the Tom Paris character is probably one of my favorites on there because he, for me, he grows the most mm. outside of Harry Kim. Like he, you know, he comes into this show with this giant chip on his shoulder, um, for it's very much the woe is me um i'm angry at the world 
but underneath all that, I'm a good guy because he rescues Harry Kim mm. um, more than once. Um, helps Chakotay just in this episode. Helps Chakotay, um, who, for reasons of their own, don't like each other. <laughs> um, and then over the course of the seven years of the show, like he goes from being this flirty bad boy rogue um, with a heart of gold <laughs> type character yeah into like this family man um who's very mm. much relied on by the crew well he was kind of like the Riker of yeah. voyager so that's kind of why i like him the best but uh Riker was definitely a more upstanding officer um you know oh, he didn't sure. have that you know like sketchy past (laughs) that tom did but um but their personalities are very similar i feel like so yeah and i always find it funny and of course this has been in umpteen different memes and everything um you know you go from this first episode where tom is an observer on the ship and you know come to the end of the episode and he's proven himself and jay just immediately puts him to lieutenant and Poor Harry goes through the entire seven years of Voyager and is still an ensign. Right. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh my. I gosh. felt so bad that he never got a promotion ever. I don't even know nope. if that's like possible because I think in the like real Navy, you once you've served a certain amount of time, you're like automatically promoted to the next level. Right. Oh yeah. Unless you just do something egregious, but. <laughs> Um, I don't know how realistic that is. Uh, yeah, totally. Yeah. He would have totally been promoted several times. Yeah. Um, you know, especially and then throughout the series, like Tom, Tom gets totally. I mean, he gets all the responsibility and everything of being a higher rank, and you know, he's completely relied on, and yet, uh, you know, he's still an ensign by the end of it, and you know, Tom's been demoted, and then. I don't know if he gets promoted back up to lieutenant. I can't remember. He, yeah, but. he did eventually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and poor Harry. In like a ceremony. It wasn't just like, hey, we're reinstating <laughs> you back into this. Like it was a ceremony that he got his rank fully reinstated. <laughs> um, yeah. And then and like even Harry uh, later on in the show, be, like studies and becomes like a night watch in mm-hmm. command of the ship. Mm-hmm. And night watch like he's wait no ensign. you can't do that as an ensign yeah that's right. crazy <laughs> but they do so, but i had that thought too of uh voyager's original first officer he was a mm. lieutenant commander yes instead of being a full commander so i had that thought too of like wait would he be able to be a first officer yeah Riker at a lieutenant commander rank Riker was the first officer on the hood as a lieutenant commander that's that's a normal really okay yeah Hmm. I I found that bizarre I guess it's more of um because Riker was a full commander in next generation that that was well on the enterprise yeah but he had served on the hood previously as a first officer and he was lieutenant commander but I think that's also a thing in the navy as well so yeah hmm now, I, one observation I I made about this um, was just like the assembling of the crew. It was mm. just how much of a stark contrast it was with the TNG crew. It's like you have a bunch of 
renegades basically people that have screwed up in the past you know mm. they're they're not like these unblemished officers that we get on tng who are like at the top of their game and all of this stuff is a very different mix of crew on mm. voyager which i think is um probably more interesting for most people to watch honestly mm. um well that for sure yeah. carries in to the show for several um at least the first two seasons of combining the the maki crew mm. um with the the voyager crew so you have all the voyager crew who are everyone that's come through this academy and they're all there and yay starfleet and then you have um the maki crew that is a mix of people that for various reasons left um starfleet um or were never in starfleet to begin with and then joined the maquis to be part of a cause and now they're suddenly thrown into wait our ship has been sacrificed and now we have to join the starfleet crew yeah there were definitely whole episodes devoted to that um so uh, it does make a a strong showing as a, a theme and you know works out pretty well I like that Kim was uh, fresh out of the Academy. Like this was his first thing. Mm. Um, we don't really get to see that as like a main character on Star Trek. Usually they're usually seasoned officers that are part of the crew that they, yeah. you know, revolve their stories around. So um, it was, it was kind of cool to kind of step outside of that model a little bit and focus mm. on. Um, now I guess TOS did that with like Chekhov maybe yeah is that was yeah. that the point of that yeah and bashir was fresh out of the academy as well right what yeah yeah but i mean he had gone through starfleet medical so that's a little bit longer and and you don't come out as an ensign um but yeah that that was his story as well okay well i didn't know that so here's one question i have about voyager in okay. general i feel like we might have crossed this topic at one point previously but i don't really remember what we decided so um how in the world are the universal translators working in the delta quadrant i had that thought too when i was when i was watching it and you could suddenly talk to neelix <laughs> aaron well there's a few times in different um I want to say it might have happened in Deep Space Nine as well, where it's basically the, the universal translator um, can figure languages out um, based on just kind of cadence and, and all that sort of thing. Now, it doesn't make much sense <laughs> because, of course, they just immediately start talking to Neelix and he can immediately understand them and they immediately understand him. So no, that does not make sense. But I think that is the, the premise behind it is that the computer listens to the language and stuff and actually can figure it out. Okay. Um, we'll categorize that with the uh, Harry Kim Ensign logic um, <laughs> in Voyager. But I mean, I will have to say to make that show work, like you need the universal translator to where it can just translate anything. Cause I mean, to be in yeah. a completely new part of the galaxy that has not been explored before by Starfleet, like it, you have to have that possible or the show's not going to go anywhere. Yeah. Um, I did make a note in um, 
in watching this that it was towards the beginning of the episode when um, Janeway goes to New Zealand to recruit Tom Paris um, that I thought they did a fantastic job in that dialogue that the two characters had while walking of establishing backstories for a lot of the characters in a very mm-hmm. brief amount of time. Like you had a little bit of Janeway's history, Paris's history, Chakotay's history, um, and a little bit of the history of the Maquis all in that, that what three minute, five minute time frame. Um, that they did that really well. I thought, um, because sometimes you can pick up on that and just go, Oh man, here we go. Um, <laughs> but I thought, I thought that was incredibly well done of how that was done in a really good interaction, very well written between the two of them and what they did with that. I thought that was great. I picked up on that also. Um, but I noticed it happening multiple times throughout the episode um, where they just did little, little things that they dropped here or there in the scenes that gave you backstory, but it wasn't like in your face at all it Mm. was done in a very organic way like even the scene Mm. in in the medical area where kim and um balana were we got some backstory with balana um Mm -hmm. in that and it was just like peppered into the dialogue really well and so yeah i like the writers on this did an excellent job with that much better than the picard writers (laughs) did on episode one i felt like where we just got like a news yeah uh, Yeah. interview that for five minutes spewed the last 20 years out you know it's just like that that type of stuff i don't like you know but the way voyager did it i thought it was pretty um great so it's always hard when you're setting up a new series and you have to introduce so many new characters and all these things so yeah it it was interesting to me um to hear you guys because for me all of that's already established in my brain so i did not pick up on it um, as well as you did. Uh, I, I will say one one thing that kind of stuck out to me in this was the escalator. And it looked yes. like, like a, an escalator <laughs> in like a 1990s mall or something that they were going up. It's like, yeah. where is this uh, place? <laughs> well, and I was looking at it too. You know, I did look that up. Oh, you did? Good. Yeah, I did. And it's it's somewhere in LA. I'm wanting to say it was like an LA convention center or like something like that. Convention they, center or something like that. Something like that. I don't I should have written it down, but um but yeah, it was just, you know, somewhere that they filmed on location to make it look, you know, underground and part of the Ocampa yeah. city. But yeah. Well, I actually wrote down it looks like they're in an airport. <laughs> That's um, exactly my it, feeling too. <laughs> it did, like with the escalator. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, where's this LAX? Like, oh, that's not what true. LAX looks like. No. I knew it wasn't there, but no, it's not. I knew it wasn't LAX, but um, yeah, but I, it, it looks like some random airport somewhere. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. It, it, it does look a whole lot like one of the airports here in Houston. So, yeah, no, yeah, that's weird. <laughs> well, one of the things I noticed with the Ocampa, and this does kind of um, come out multiple times through the series, um, is exploring an idea that I don't think Star Trek has really touched all that much. Um, we get characters that have really long lifespans, but then we get to the Ocampa and they have extremely short lifespans. And, you know, that to me was always something very interesting that they, they introduced, you know, they talk about the average lifespan of an Ocampa is nine years. 
So you think about, you know, in their first year, they basically was that go, in this episode. It was. Um, I believe it was uh, Jabin the the yes. Oh my gosh, on. I totally missed that. <laughs> <laughs> I I almost asked that as one of one of my questions, but yes, he mentions you know they only live nine years, um, and uh, that is something that they do explore with Kess. Um, because of course she joins the crew. So, you know, you have her having her second or third birthday, you know, and, and all this sort of thing. And then as the series goes on her, she changes quite a bit from season to season. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's kind of these abrupt changes from, where she looks very childlike to now she looks like an adult and now, you know, now she looks like she's even older and, and they have her dressing differently to make her look older and her hair gets longer and, and all that sort of thing. So I, I thought that was a really unique concept to, to go into um, because we all, well, I shouldn't say all, but a lot of people have the just desire to, you know, how can we extend our lives or live longer? We're fascinated with the idea of immortality. And then how weird must it be for the Okampa who have been basically sheltered for so long to then encounter these people that it's it's natural for them to live, you know, 90, 100 years plus in in the star trek realm or you know in the case of vulcans even longer than that um so it, it must be strange for Kess, you know joining the this group of people um mm -hmm. and then it also makes so Kess is an accompa yes <laughs> how how am i missing all of this information <laughs> i must not have been paying attention that was to in multiple scene. scenes <laughs> yeah well i mean <laughs> yeah it's like she came from down with this the i don't remember anything <laughs> you know it's the the whole point is uh, no, she escaped look, from I'm there i'm thoroughly confused i don't i don't i didn't understand the difference between the kazon the akampa and the people on the planet like i i was so lost with what was going on with that well the akampa were the people underground um the kazon so the kazon were the people on the surface of the planet that they are wait the, what Yes, they are like the power structure that that, that no. fought with Neelix. Yes, I thought that was the, the Okampa, the people that the caretaker was taking care of. Yes, <laughs> and the Kazon come up again. Like they okay, are so the those were the Kazon of the first yeah. few seasons of Voyager. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, like I knew the the name was familiar, and I'd seen them plenty of times. But um, okay, so that was the Kazon. Uh, yes. So the Okapa were Kess's people? Yes. Yes. Where were they? Were they the ones underground? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I did not get any of this. <laughs> and this, Megan, is where I shake my head. <laughs> no wonder you're confused. You're going to ask me questions about how stuff works in the episodes, and I'm going to be clueless. <laughs> yeah, we've had multiple right, times. Right, Yeah, I've had multiple times where I'm like, how do you not know? That was the whole point of the episode. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's just very, very different watching styles between Sarah and I. <laughs> yes. 
And me, apparently. We all three have very different watching styles. Yeah. <laughs> I will say, like, I had forgotten um, this, I guess, because the Kess is so young um, when we mm. have her on the ship that I had forgotten that they were pretty advanced telepathic race. I, I know that comes up later, several seasons later mm. um, with Kess, but I had, like, it caught me off guard that the first time you're seeing these species outside of Kess is when, you know, when Harry and Bellana wake up in their medical area and they're being spoken to telepathically mm-hmm. that that was like, what is happening yeah. right now? I'd totally forgotten about it. <laughs> well, see, I didn't know Kess was telepathic because I didn't know that that's what the, <laughs> the comfort were. <laughs> so, yeah, and that does come up. I mean, they, she d- alludes to the fact that they used to be even more powerful with their minds. Um, and that does come up a few times throughout the series. Um, and we do get uh, Tuvok kind of helping her with some of those things with, uh, you know, mm-hmm. Vulcans having mm-hmm. some, um, you know, extra mental capabilities and things like that. So that's why they needed to keep that Betazoid. It would have been interesting to see them like have telepathic communications with each other or something. Well, and we do get another Betazoid. Oh, yes, we do. That's right. There is another Betazoid in the series, um, but he's not exactly role model material. Yeah, he was a Maki part of Chakotay's. Um, One thing I'd actually kind of like smirked at in this was when the uh, caretaker like died and mm. then it's just like yeah. shows a rock um on the floor <laughs> i just thought that that was a little like I mean, seriously you like guys just went outside concrete. and like, picked up a rock outside the studio somewhere and just like <laughs> yes put some glitter on it or something and then <laughs> the budget was stretched okay yeah. they they got uh, what they could seriously this was in fact when i looked it up um caretaker I'm sure it's been suppressed now, but it was one of the most expensive TV pilots um, to that point. Um, I want to say it was like 23 million. Um, And of course, part of that would have been. um, Well, yeah, they had to do a lot of um, reshoots. Yeah, exactly. So changing actresses for the captain. So there was a lot of reshoots there. And then, um, it probably had something to do with the fact that this was the first series where the vast majority of the um, the starship shots and things like that um, and images of space were all CGI. There were a few um, model shots done, um, but a large percentage was CGI. And back then that was a big deal. And it would have been, you know, more expensive than it is today. Yeah, I read too that um, they had to do a lot more reshoots with um, Kate Mulgrew because, not just because of her being ca- cast into an established role, mm. but the, the studio doesn't didn't like her hairstyle, and yeah. so they had to go back and change the hairstyle of of her and like mm-hmm. reshoot her scenes again. Oh yeah, Aaron um, told told that story in one of our previous podcast yeah so it was just like what <laughs> you didn't like her hair you could have changed that later oh no it wasn't so much they didn't like it 
it was that the the studio lights were actually shining through her hair. Oh. Because um, apparently she has very fine hair. So it looked weird. That makes apparently. sense. Yeah. I have another question for you guys. This is another plot okay. thing that I don't understand. <laughs> okay. okay. Why did um why did Janeway uh decide to destroy the array? What was going on? Like I understand that somebody was trying to like kill somebody, but I I didn't understand what what exactly was going on. Uh basically the caretaker was trying to prevent the Kazon from getting to the Okampa. And so his point was if the Kazon got control of the array um that would be giving them advanced technology that they otherwise would not have gotten and they would be able to you know really disrupt the balance of power in the region um they would be able to get to the okampa and and basically probably take them out um so that's why the caretaker wanted to destroy the array um, and of course, Janeway then has the the conundrum of do I honor his mission or do I get myself home? Um, and uh, she takes the position of, you know, guarding an entire sector of <laughs> the uh, the galaxy from you know, overpowered Kazon is probably more important than getting a hundred or so people back home. Okay. Um, Cause at this point I didn't know who the Kazon were exactly and who the Okampa were. Mm. So I was really confused <laughs> and I didn't know um, the Kazon were trying to like, is they were, they trying to actually actually like exterminate the Okampa. What was the deal with it? Cause like Kess was, was Kess like their prisoner? Or something yeah she was because she escaped Basically, to the she surface was like a slave yeah i think from what i understand that the that particular group of kazon um just wanted to get to the water that the okampa had um, because the surface was completely dry there was no water there's there the surface was where it could not generate rain um so water was their super valuable commodity and the okampa had it and they didn't and so um, I think that was my perception of, of what this particular group, they just wanted to get down there to get the water that they needed. So were the Kazon not aware that these people were down there? Because they're flying around in ships. No, they were aware. Like they're not stuck on the planet. Yeah, they knew that. But the caretaker like... Yeah, they... Okay. The caretaker so took care of the Akampa, so the, he was the protector of this planet of people. No, I'm talking for... about the Kazon that were down there. Right. Where did you want them to fly to? Because the Okampa is below the surface. But yeah, but how how are they tied to the Okampa? Why don't they just go, get on their ships and leave and go find water somewhere else? That is a great question. Like, they're not stuck well, there, are they? Okay, I think I can answer that. Okay. Um, it is mentioned in the episode that the the reason they are there is there are, are mineral deposits there that they are mining. Oh yeah, that's um, right. Let me see in my um that are very valuable. Yeah. So there were there were minerals there that the Kazon are trying to mine. And so this group of Kazon have that that's their bargaining chip is we have this mineral. Um and then they trade that to other groups of Kazon in return for water. 
Um, and then there are, are other groups of Kazon elsewhere that have other resources that they trade with each other. So it's kind of like these rival groups that need each other, but they, they also then protect their particular resource from all the other groups of Kazon. Um, so they're, they're not the most cohesive species, but uh, they, they definitely have a, a power structure there. All right. Well, thanks for somewhat clearing that up. I guess. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we're coming up towards the end of the episode here, but um, I just want to make the observation again. And Aaron's probably not going to like me for this, but the ending again for me <laughs> was a problem. Like this is every single Voyager episode we've seen so far. It just like suddenly wraps up the uh, episode without like much working up to it. <laughs> you know, it's just like all of a sudden we're cut cuts from like the dr drama of the um, episode into okay, here's the final scene and everything's fine and uh, nobody is like emotional about what happened and, and like this. I was waiting for the the moments where Janeway obviously you saw like the uh, torture on her face when she had to make that decision about destroying the array so I thought that they were going to go with that mm. and then like the the end of the episode would be like her you know wrestling with that and like what does this mean for us now but instead we cut directly to all of that's already happened and all the crew have decided to be chums and, and work together now and everybody's been promoted and we don't have any of that like emotion of like, oh my gosh, we're stuck out here for you know, 70,000 light years from home. I just felt like that was really missing in this. And Janeway mm -hmm. kind of went from being that more, you know, human captain to, okay, this is, these are the facts and this is what we've got in front of us now and this is what we're going to do. And um, so that was a bit of a disappointing ending for me because I really wanted to see the characters go through that realization of just the pickle that they were in. And we don't really get that. And I, mm. I get they're supposed to be like, you know, stalwart Starfleet officers and we, you know, are prepared to deal with anything. But seriously, <laughs> I don't think Starfleet Academy trained you for this scenario. Well, so that's not something that's handled in that episode in particular, but it does come up in future in the that whole next season really of of voyager of the the mm. crews grappling with the decision um that was made and how they're basically for the rest of their lives um stuck on this journey to get back to the life that they knew um so yeah it's it's not i think it, i thought that was actually a good choice because you do need you don't need the captain to be you know the what did i do in front of the crew like the captain <laughs> has to be the one that's like okay everyone let's let's pick ourselves up this is the situation we've mm. here we're gonna move forward and here's the step we're gonna take that you do well, need no, that but, but like i no i don't want to like break down in front of the crew i agree with you but i'm just saying like l let's have a conversation with her and tuvok you know in her ready room mm. or whatever and let's have them hashing that out just for a scene, you know, of her, con you know, confiding in Tuvok. Because it seems like they have the closest relationship in this episode. Yeah. 
and just kind of like talking it through with him. Okay, this is our situation now. And here's how maybe we should handle the crew from here on out and all of this stuff. Instead, they just skip all of that and they just jump right into, okay, here's the new reality for everybody. Mm. And it's just very unemotional. And, you know, I just felt like they kind of missed an opportunity there. But it may may very well have been something that was written in the script and filmed into something that was left on the editing room floor. Um, But Mm. I don't know. Yeah, we do get a little bit of that um, earlier in the episode, but that was not, you know, after the array was destroyed. It was, um, you know, before they'd even rescued Harry at that point. Um, We did get a a conversation like that with uh, Janeway and Tuvok. And you are right, Sarah, they, they, that pair is very much, um, you know, he is her confidant and and things like that. So, um, Mm -hmm that does come up several times throughout the series. And there are definite um, episodes where the, the crew is really pushing back against her for making that decision. You know, there, there are times where people literally come out and say, it's your fault that we're here. Um, And then there, there's at least one episode that often comes to mind where Janeway literally breaks down withdraws from the crew and and Mm -hmm. actually you get her saying yeah it's my fault i you know you guys don't need me leading you i made the mistake i you know i am at fault this is my problem and you know it 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 really eats at her so uh, that does come up but no it doesn't happen in this episode yeah, well, I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I kind of know that about the rest of the series. That I have seen a handful of episodes, and I have seen scenes like that. But mm. um, yeah, I just thought it was odd that in this scene where it actually happened, that nobody seemed to really react to it very strongly. <laughs> so uh, you know, it's just like the other episodes we watched. It was just like that very quick wrap up, you know, that Voyager tends to do, at least yeah. with the episodes I've seen. Uh, so moving forward, um, with the next Voyager episode we watch, we don't know what it's going to be because we are going to be randomly choosing it. It'll be fun to see. It'll probably like skip to like season six and everything is going to be different and I'm going to have no clue what's going on. But yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, I watched TNG out of order too. So We'll fill you in on anything that uh, that you don't know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, it, it, that's a guarantee that that's going to happen. I mean, like I watched this and I still didn't know um, what was going on. So, <laughs> all right, guys. Well, that's going to wrap up our discussion for the caretaker. Um, so, for our uh, next episode, we're going to be watching uh, Picard. And uh, for our social media question, we want to know from you: uh, what is your favorite part of Picard so far? So it maybe it's a character or a scene or a line or just something about the show that um, you, you like. So let us know kind of what you think of it so far in that aspect. And uh, Aaron will tell you where you can leave that uh, comment for us. Absolutely. Uh, you can reach us over on Twitter where we are triples in, or sorry, at triples podcast. Uh, on uh, Instagram, we are Tribbles and Transporters Podcast. And on Facebook, we do have our Facebook page, Tribbles and Transporters. Um, and then uh, we do have an email if you want to talk to us directly. We have uh, Tribbles and Transporters at gmail.com. And as always, the um, 
info is in the episode description below, so feel free to click those links there and make it easy for you. Well, Megan, thanks for joining us. And Thank uh, you for having me. She's going to be, yes, be back with I us. I had so much fun yeah. doing this. Yeah, I think it was a fun discussion, so for sure. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the next one for sure. All right. Well, and we are looking forward to uh, having you guys back uh, with us. Thanks for listening as always, and we will see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. Bye.